I'm filled with anticipation. I'm thankful for the word of God. I thank you that it takes the Holy Spirit to bring revelation because when revelation comes, life is there. And so whatever impartation was done last week, we give all glory and all praise to, to the Holy Spirit because it's that kind of truth that truly sets us free. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go just do a really quick review. We're talking about it's already yours. We've got um, this week and next week to talk about it. And we're talking about what you might have heard called the finished works of the cross. What did Jesus do? What are the benefits? What is ours? When he said, it is finished, he didn't say it was half done. He didn't say it's almost done. He didn't say it's just for some. He said it's finished, period. And so what does that look like? You know, I think I just got hungry for the things of God one day, and I looked at the precious promises of God, and we sing they are yes and amen, and we know so many of those promises, what they promise us as believers, and yet I had to be really honest and ask myself, am I really seeing those things in my life? Am I enjoying life to its fullest? The Bible says that we can have the fullness of God. Well, just how much of God am I walking in? And I've heard the Holy Spirit say this before, you can have as much of God as you want. But we have to sometimes ask him to enlarge our container because I believe he wants to fill it and fill it to overflow. That's our God. Well, our basic Foundational text is found in Ephesians 1, verse 3. And we said, Blessed and worthy of praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Now, that doesn't mean it's still going to happen. It means it has already happened in the past, that he has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Oh, those last two words maybe the most important ones. It's always found in Christ, is it not? So as believers, we said we are not trying to get something from God. We are fighting to receive the full manifestation of what's already ours in Christ. In Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. In Christ. That's the most important thing. And we said that as believers, we need to learn to be good receivers. And you know, if you are one of those people that just has a really hard time receiving quote unquote charity, you might have a hard time receiving things from God. Because everything that he gives you is too good to be true. And so you might say, oh, I don't deserve it. No, that's too much. But you know what? God says, take it. It's yours. And as I shared last week, I saw in the spirit realm that there was a new knee waiting for me with my knee on it. I mean, with my name on it. <laughs> and he just said, do you want it? And I said, yes, that's mine. And we talked about how faith builds a bridge because there are those two realms. Everything that, that Jesus provided with his death on the cross and finished is waiting for us. It's been accomplished and finished in the spirit realm. But my physical eyes can't see it. My senses may not be experiencing it. But the truth is, it's done and it's finished. And I shared how at one point I realized that the faith that we have to see it with the eye of our faith, not even though with the eye in my head, but the eye of my faith, I could call that thing forth by faith that it would cross over from the spirit realm 
into the physical realm. And that's when I received healing in my knee that allowed me to just give God the glory for that. So we talked about see it with the eye of our faith. Believe it with faith in our heart. And then simply receive it. Do you know how much glory it gives God to receive what he's already provided? Oh, he wants you to take and take and take. And he says, I'm a well that never runs dry, so you can't take too much. What he offers, yes, we can take. But we talked about that faith is the bridge for that thing to come from the spirit realm and become manifest and real to my senses in the physical realm. And we're not just talking about healing. That seems to be one of the things that it's easiest to apply to because you might have an x-ray, you might have a diagnosis, you might have a prognosis, you might be experiencing pain. What's real in the physical sometimes causes us to feel like, well, that's just the way it is. That's the truth. That's reality. That's, that's That's what I can sense. But God says there's something beyond what we can sense. We have to have a faith sense. We have to have another sense and another way of seeing and another way of believing that goes beyond what we can see, taste, feel, hear, whatever the one is that I left out. But that's the senses that we can sometimes allow to talk us out of what God says is already ours. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the assurance And in the Amplified, it says the title deed and the confirmation. Do you know when you have the deed in your hand, it belongs to you if your name is on it. And that's why I knew that that new knee that God told me, he said, it's got your name on it. I was the holder of the title deed. I knew that belonged to me, and I received it. And he says, of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. And I like this explanation that Amplified says. The conviction of the reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. It becomes real to you in the spirit realm before it becomes real to you in the physical realm. That's what faith does. It calls those things just as though they already are. And if we're waiting, sometimes we want it the other way around. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, there was a young man in the Bible by the name of Doubting Thomas that said the same thing. How would you like to be named Doubting whatever for the rest of your life? Poor Thomas. But he doubted because he couldn't experience it with his senses. He says, I'm not going to believe it till I see it. But I would like to challenge you to see it, believe it, and receive it. I believe that's the way of faith. But I want to address something tonight. And believe me, just know my heart, I would never, ever come with you with any kind of condemnation. Because I always speak from my own place of my own journey with God. But sometimes when we pray and we want to receive something that we believe is of God, that lines up with his word, and it doesn't happen, and we scratch our head, and we try to figure out why. And here's something that I've heard a lot, and I used to believe myself. We might say, maybe I didn't have enough faith. I heard it. 
Maybe I didn't have enough faith. Maybe I should pray for more faith. Maybe I need to get stronger faith. Well, let's address that. We may be saying and what we may be leaving um, is that unless I say the right words or unless I pray enough or unless I've heard enough sermons or unless I say it exactly the way I'm supposed to, maybe that's how I get more faith. But can we just look at Romans 12, 3? It is very clear in Romans 3. 12.3, what God says about this. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. It doesn't say a measure of faith, and I know some translations will say that, or some versions might say that, but the correct uh, translation of that is the measure of faith, meaning the one and only measure. You did not stand in the soup line and get a different size ladle scoop of faith. Okay, God has apportioned to each one of us the same measure of faith. The Lord doesn't give one person great faith while another person is giving small faith. We were all given an equal amount of faith at salvation. So the problem not, is not that we don't have enough faith, but rather that we don't maybe know how to use the faith that we have. Maybe we need to learn what that looks like. And I truly believe that we are very much um, um, sometimes held back by what our senses are telling us instead of using the eye of our faith and looking beyond and knowing that the word of God is true. It is more true than what I can, what I can experience in the physical realm. So Peter said that we had like precious faith with him in 2 Peter. And Peter raised Dorcas from the dead. And he said that we all have that kind of faith. Paul said he was living his Christian life by the faith of the Son of God. Okay, <clears throat> what stronger faith is there than the faith of the Son of God? You receive that faith at salvation. So do we have enough faith? Yes, we do. It is not a faith problem. It is not a deficiency. We all have the same measure of faith as believers. And we need to learn how to use the faith that we already have. And that's one of the things that I wanted to say is that it's already ours. You already have the faith that you need. I hope that encourages you. I hope that encourages you to be bold, to use your faith. Jesus said, and, and he addresses, it doesn't take a great big chunk of faith to talk to a tree and tell to jump into the lake. To jump into the sea, it says, he said, it only takes a mustard seed of faith. It says, it's not big faith. It's not enough faith. It's just the faith of God that we can put our confidence in. And I just believe there's a really strong deception of the devil that would cause us to believe that we don't have enough faith. And then we quit. Or we say, oh, then God must not have wanted me to have that, even though it's promised in the word of God. And it causes us to accept living at a lower level that I believe that the finished work of the cross has for us. I believe God promised us, and I know he did in John 10, 10, he said, I came that you might have life. 
And that is the same kind of life that God enjoys. It's Zoe life. And so I believe that there is so much more for us if we'll receive it and we'll realize that, hey, God, he's already given us the faith of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you can have life the same way that I enjoy it. Anybody tracking with me? Anybody want to believe that? Do you dare to believe what God says is true and it's for you? So our faith is sufficient. The problem we're experiencing is sometimes a result of our minds. Okay. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that we aren't supposed to be conformed to the world's way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, you're here today getting your mind renewed. We're hearing the word of truth. The Holy Spirit does the work. You know, I'm just the messenger. Don't kill the messenger. I want to speak truth to you. And if, I, if what I say doesn't line up with the word of God, you just throw it out. But I believe I'm speaking truth today. Our thoughts need to line up with the word of God. Not a bad report. Not our bad experiences. And your, your thought life, your, your thoughts are going to try and talk you out of trusting God. And believing and receiving his promises. Sometimes you need to simply close your eyes to what you are seeing and what you're experiencing. Shut out the noise of what you're hearing and simply believe the word of God. I'm reminded of when Jairus meets Jesus at the seashore. The crowds were thronging him and he, he manages to get to Jesus first and he says, come quickly because my daughter lies dying. If you will come, I believe she will live. And Jesus says, let's go. But there was a crowd, and they pressed in on him. And you can imagine trying to move through that crowd, and then suddenly somebody touches the hem of his garment, and Jesus takes the time to speak to a woman who had been bent over with the issue of blood. She probably crawled through that crowd to finally get to that place where she reached out and received her healing. And Jesus spoke with her. He, he ministered to her, and he marveled at her faith. The demonstration of her faith. And in the meantime, can you imagine Jairus? He said, come on, Jesus. Let's go. Come on. We don't have much time. He knew his daughter was dying. And here's Jesus ministering to somebody. I would say, come on, Jesus. Let's go. Come on. All right. In the meantime, messengers come from the house and said, don't bother the master. Don't bother him. We're sorry, but your daughter has died. Oh, I love what happens next. Because Jesus heard the same bad report. Jairus was a man of faith. He had already proclaimed his faith and declared. He said, if you will come to my house, my daughter will live. Well, now his daughter was dead. It seemed too late. Death seemed final. Jesus didn't hurry fast enough. But Jesus looks at Jairus, and I feel like it was one of these moments. He said, come on, Jairus, right here. Right here, look me right in the eyes. He says, do not be afraid. Only believe. Fear was about to talk Jairus right out of continuing to believe. Jesus was saying, come on, Jairus. We need your faith to stay solid. 
Don't be moved by what you just heard. Do not be moved by what you think you th is going on back at your house. And so they moved on. And when they got to the house, the Bible says that the mourners were already there. And believe it or not, they used to hire professional mourners. And they were already starting the funeral, uh, whatever they did. And they literally mocked Jesus for saying that they were going in to where the girl was. And he said that he, she's sleeping. Well, we know what happened. Jesus spoke to that girl and he said, rise. And she did. Is death final? Oh, not if you know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives where? In me. Okay, we're going to have to try that again. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. Do we dare to believe it? Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you my story? Whew. I got to tell you my story. On May 3rd, I was in our women's meeting on Thursday morning. And I just introduced our guest speaker. I was so excited to have Pastor Rachel Sims. We had talked about having her coming, and she's a powerful woman of, of God and teacher. And I got called out. My assistant, Rachel, she came. She says, Karen, you need to leave immediately. They grabbed my purse, and I didn't know what I was being rushed out for. But they said, your father-in-law, who had been at, the, at Metro Hospital the whole week before, coded, and you're needed at the hospital immediately. You know, sometimes it's a good idea just to put your emotions on a shelf. And at that moment, I chose to not respond because I didn't really know what was going on. And, of course, coded means that they had to revive him. And I was told that they were able to get his heart uh, resuscitated. This was the day my father-in-law was supposed to come home. And he had been in the hospital for blood clots in the lung. They seemed to be able to take care of it. It was, seemed like all good news. And they were kind of taking him for that final walk to see if he was able to catch his breath much easier than he had before that he was admitted in the hospital the week before. And instead, he collapsed, and basically, he died. And thank God it happened in the hospital because they were there immediately. They performed CPR, and now he was in ICU fully intubated on life support. And when I arrived at the hospital, it was my mother-in-law, myself, and my brother-in-law. My husband was an hour and a half away. There were people that were trying to get there. The news was starting to get out. Lots of tears, shock. Didn't really know what had happened. They said it wasn't a heart attack. It was a little bit more complicated than that. And so here's the news. Here's the report. You'd better gather your family. We don't know if this is reversible. He's heavily sedated, so at some point we'll try him, see if he'll respond. And so, but you better gather your family. And they allowed four to five of us to go back to the room to basically to say our goodbyes. And to look at him, he had the big tube down his throat. He was completely gray. He was on every kind of machine and hooked up to every kind of wire. There was no response, no flickering of the eyelids, no squeezing of the hand. And we knew that the machine was breathing for him.
So at some point they said, okay, we're going to take away the sedation and bring him to see if he'll respond. And after about 20 minutes, they did what we now know is a protocol to see if there's any brain activity. And we didn't know for sure at the moment what they were doing, but they go through a series of about 10 protocols, and they poke and they prod, and one of the things that they do is they open the eye to see if there's any dilation. And he flunked every one of the tests. And by all legal definitions, he was brain dead. And that is the term that they use to pull the plug on life support if there's no brain activity. And the doctor was trying to be positive, and they tried. She said, I'll leave the room, and I'll come back in about 20 minutes, and we'll try again. Well, 20 minutes later, more time for the sedation to wear off, hoping for any kind of a response, zero. And when we heard that the second time, my brother-in-law just said, are you telling us that if they pulled the plug now, on life support that he would not live. And the doctor said, yes, that is what we're telling you. Shock, tears. And at that time, my husband and his two brothers and, and my mother-in-law were the only ones that had been back in that room. And I saw other people getting ready to go back, and I'm, I'm going. I don't care, I'm going. And I walked in, I said, is it okay if I'm here? I wanted to be with my husband too. And I had to make a decision. I'd heard the doctor's report. Didn't like what I heard. I saw my father-in-law. I didn't like what I see. Experience tells skilled doctors, thank God for them, that he's brain dead. In fact, they say, there's usually about three days before they decide if there's no brain activity, then the, the family has to make a decision. Well, this is the first day, right? So I said, I just walked over to him, and I had to shut out everything that I was seeing and everything that I was hearing and everything that I was feeling. And I laid my hands on my father-in-law. And you have to understand, my dad passed away years and years ago. And he has been a father to me. And I love the man. He's 83 years old. And you could say, oh, he's lived a good life. His grandkids have been crazy about him. His great-grandkids are wonderful. He's had a good life. He's been married to a wonderful woman the whole time. But there was something inside of me that said, no, no. And I laid hands on him. And I just said, Father, we speak life. Everything else had been death. But I couldn't listen to that anymore. So we speak life. And I said, we dare to believe your word that says you are healed and whole, Dad. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I thank you, Jesus, for your finished work. That healing power is flowing through his body right now. I said, brain, line up with the word of God. Body, line up with the word of God that says you are healed and whole. Do you know what my mind said? What if it doesn't work? 
then what? What will that make you look like? What does that make God look like? And you know what I said? I said, what if it does? What if it does? What if we dare to speak the word of God? What if we dare to really believe that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me? And Jesus said, in my name you will do greater things. Did Jesus raise the dead? Yes, he did. Well, I was looking at my brain-dead father-in-law, and that wasn't okay. And so we just simply prayed. When I opened my eyes, everybody in the room had laid hands on my father-in-law. We're all believers. And I asked my husband later, I said, was that okay that I was the one that prayed? He goes, none of us were in that place. Well, my uh, uncles, there were aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody was there. I think by the end of the evening, there were over 30 people. Because that's how beloved he is in our family. And um, they were saying, well, you can go in a few at a time. And this time, the aunts and uncles were going. And... Um, my husband's uncle is a big guy and kind of loud, and he walked in. When everybody else was quiet, he walked in, and he said, Wally, he says, your fishing buddy's here. And my father-in-law, where there had been no sign, no response, Braden dead, failed every test for brain activity, began to do this. I mean, not just a little bit, it was... And the doctors were like, oh, surprise. So the doctor or nurse, I don't know which, said to my mother-in-law who was in the room, because they were all like, okay, not quite sure how to interpret this, ask him a question that he has to say no to. And so what uh, my mother-in-law said, well, Wally, do you love me? All the time? And we all said, he's back because he's a stinker. He was, he was being his teasing, fun self, totally intubated, still on life support, and he was responding appropriately. And the next question she asked him was, uh, Wally, do you like being in the hospital? And, oh, that was a big one. No, he did not. And I, this, this all started out in the morning, and he began to progress and we saw his eyes open and he began to squeeze hands and he was smiling. He was trying to talk with this big tube down his throat. So they finally realized he was breathing on his own. This is progress, progress, progress. And it was uh, by the end of the evening, they had to pull that great big yucky tube right out and he began to talk and, they, and he hasn't stopped talking since. And he is alive. He once was dead, but he's now alive. Do we dare to believe the word of God? God. I double dog dare you to believe the word of God for yourself. It is real. It is for today and it is for you. If you'll believe it and you'll receive it. I didn't do anything but connect with the truth of the word of God. And I had to shut out everything else and say, God, you are good. You are faithful. I don't care what this might look like to everybody else. We're going to connect with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Can we give God glory? I'm just so excited to tell you that tonight. Amen.
You know, when we pray and we know what is ours, you do not have to pray prayers like, God, if it be your will, please heal me. Jesus addressed that because the leper said, Jesus, he was really saying, I know you can heal me. Jesus had been healing lots of people. But I don't know if you will. He says, you can heal me if you will. Jesus took care of that right away. He says, I will. And then he laid hands on a leper. People weren't supposed to touch lepers, right? But when Jesus laid hands on him, he was healed. Jesus always demonstrated his will in the earth. There was never one person who came to him for healing that was turned away sick. Jesus never said, you need to learn a little bit more patience, so we're going to withhold this healing from you. When they came, they received and they walked away healed. And that is ours today. Jesus demonstrated his will everywhere he went. So we have, to, we have to renew our minds to that to allow faith to flow. And there's a, a quote that I'd like to read to you from Andrew Womack. And I should say, um, this whole study uh, that I've called It's Already Yours, uh, I've really been wading through Andrew Womack's study on this, and so I highly, highly recommend it. He's got, he's got a, um, a book and a whole series called You've Already Got It. So I had to, so I didn't plagiarize, I had to change the name a little bit. All right, so, but this is a quote from Andrew Womack's book. He says, in the same way that a car battery transfers its power to the starter through battery cables, so our minds are what allows this faith of God that is already in our spirits to flow into your bodies. That's when things become manifest. If our minds are not renewed, then it's like having corroded cables. The power is there, but it won't flow. Likewise, we believers have the same faith that Jesus has, but it won't flow through us until we renew our minds through the word of God. There's no other way to renew our minds, to line up our thinking with the word of God, because you've heard this before. You are a three-part being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. So you can just Picture yourself. You're one-third this, one-third this, and one-third that. And all together, it makes a whole. Your spirit's the only part of you that got saved. And so the majority of us is not saved. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, which is your soul, it needs to be renewed. And your body sometimes sounds like it has a mind of its own. It craves. It wants to do things. It remembers sin. It likes certain things that we do that we know aren't even good. We'll do self-destructive things. That body should not be left to its own decisions, would you agree? But here's the deal. Your spirit is wall-to-wall Holy Spirit. It is not weak. It is not lacking in faith. It is totally on fire for the things of God. There's no sin in it. And yet, if your mind is not renewed, if your mind does not think the thoughts of Jesus and has not been washed with the water of the word, and it does not line up with the right kind of thinking, faith thinking, agreeing with the word kind of thinking, then the majority rules over your spirit. But get your, get your mind in line with the word of God. And now we've got spirit, we've got soul, in total agreement, and it outnumbers 
overpowers and overwhelms the body, and it has to fall in line. So I really believe the key to receiving and to really seeing results in our lives is to get that mind renewed. And that's what we're doing here tonight. We are getting our minds renewed. So it's not a problem of not having enough faith. And I've heard it said, exercise your faith, but your faith's not weak. Your mind needs to be renewed so that it cooperates with what your spirit believes and what it already knows. Because we, if we renew our minds, then we begin to see God's promises manifest and become real in our lives. We still serve a miracle-working God. Amen? Amen. John 14, 12, and 13 says, and I love this because Jesus, he's actually about to go to the cross. He's spending the last moments with his disciples. And what would you say if you knew that these very people that you've been with for three and a half years, what would be your final words that you would impart? And I love those chapters right there in John 14, 12, 13, and 14. And he said to his disciples, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Remember when we first started, I said the most important word in that first scripture was in Christ. And here's Christ, Jesus, saying, use my name. My name has power in it. And that's why when I prayed for my father-in-law, I said, in the name of Jesus. There is no other name. There is power in that name. And he gave us the permission to use it. And then he says, ask anything. Wow. In fact, in the Amplified, that same scripture says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name as my representative. So we have permission to use the name of Jesus that caused demons to tremble, that causes sickness to leave, that causes darkness to flee. Because the name of Jesus... Every knee must bow. Even death has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. So when we pray, we need to see it with the eye of our faith. We call those things that be not just as though they were. Had I looked at my father-in-law and said, it's too late. He failed that test twice. He's brain dead. They already said it. They pulled the plug. Yeah, that's what we heard. But I could see something different. I was reminded of what the Word of God says. And the Word of God has to become more real to us than what we see, hear, taste, touch, feel. It has to become more real. And we have to allow it to ascend to the rightful place. All power. The other thing Jesus said is, he said, all authority do I give to you. Our position in Christ is to retake our authority over sickness and death and, and lack and anything that we are in need of. You take authority over it. Otherwise, it has authority over you. But once again, the only reason that that works, the only reason that we can is because Jesus said, I had authority. We saw his authority. 
He spoke to Lazarus. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He spoke to the wind and the waves. He said, peace be still. He didn't say, I sure hope this works. I sure hope that when we get to Jairus' house, this little girl wakes up from, from death. He never said that. He commanded. He took authority. He knew who he was, and now he wants you to know who you are in Christ. In Christ. Without that, we are nothing. But in Christ, he's made us righteous because of what Jesus has done. And that gives us the right. Got to do it. That gives you the right to stand on every promise of God. Do you dare? I'm going to say it again. I double dog dare you to take the word of God and really believe it and really receive it. Can we pray? Hallelujah, Jesus. It's in no other name that we can declare and take authority over sickness, over disease, over lack, over poverty, over addictions, over unbelief. It's only in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you that you are still a miracle-working God. What we have said is impossible. You look at it and you say, nothing is impossible to me. Do you dare to believe? And I see faith as something that you already have if you will just release it. So will you take authority over that thing and release faith? I don't know what it is. You do. We're not going to trust in our ability. We're not going to feel like we have to say all the right things and do it right. You've already done it, Jesus. It's done. You said it's finished. All we're doing is building that bridge of faith and allowing that thing to cross over into the physical world where we live and become very real. Peace. Yeah, you've been praying for peace. Just receive it. Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. You've been looking in all the wrong places. He says, here it is. It's yours. It's got your name on it. Just receive it. Hmm. Pain. You can speak to it. Say, you have to go in Jesus' name. Backs, line up with the word of God. I hear snap, crackle, pop. Father God, thank you for adjusting spines right now. In Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. It's not too hard for you. Thank you, Jesus. You're not finished with us yet. But I thank you, Lord, as we go from here, that you will continue to stir up our faith. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is impossible for you. And we give you that glory. We give you all the praise. You are so good. And you are faithful, faithful God. In Jesus' name.